or have you kind of realized, uh, maybe I was a little harsh on what I thought the stepkids' consequences should be? <laughs> well, Lori, way to make me feel like a <laughs> hypocrite. <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Tomorrow is Halloween in the United States. <laughs> That's pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> So there's a song that they used to play at school around Halloween, and I loved it. The Monster Mash. The one-eyed, one-horned, flying propeller eater. That ain't got nothing to do with the Monster Mash. It's still fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I can't play it on here because David says we don't have the rights, and he doesn't know if I can say we don't have the rights to this, and it'd be okay for me to play it. So look it up. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't looked up how we are able to do stuff like that. I just assume I don't want to steal people's stuff like people do ours. Yeah, but we were going to... Say we don't own the rights to this. <laughs> I know. And the person that does is blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I think with some things you still, even if you give them credit, you still have to pay to use it. Oh, okay. Then we're not doing that. I didn't think you want to. But it's by Bobby Pickett. The monster mash. Okay. David's wiggling his head. <laughs> you, you can't hear that? Yeah. They hear all those <laughs> things rattling. You know, Halloween was actually created to scare off ghosts. So people would dress up and run around and scare ghosts. <laughs> Are you sure? Well, it's to ward off ghosts. All Hallows' Eve? Yes. Okay. And so the point of All Hallows' Eve was to scare the ghosts away by dressing up like ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay. Actually, people dressed up as saints and went door to door. Right. That's where they got St. Nicholas. From <laughs> So people didn't dress up as scary stuff. They dressed up as saints and went door to door to scare the ghost off. Right. They dressed up like St. Nicholas and St. Patrick. St. <laughs> <Saint> Cupid. St. <laughs> Bunny Rabbit. <laughs> so uh, but anyway, for if you want to do a little uh, Halloween step family twist, then, you know, instead of warding off ghost, you can ward off your significant other by dressing up like their ex. David. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't it be fun, though? Because, you know, it's like you would dress up in a way that you view that person. So, of course, you would take the absolute worst that you see in this person, and then you would exaggerate it by a hundred times over. (laughs) I have a better idea for the Halloween thing. What's that? Dress up like your significant other. Yeah, but that gets you in a lot of trouble, though. Why? Because if I dress up like you, no matter how I dress, you're going to be like, oh, my God, that's the way I look. <laughs> that's true. Ignore that idea. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Yeah, okay. Y'all, uh, I just can't. Or in my southern accent, I just can't. <laughs> can't doesn't sound right. Can't do us. <laughs> I can't do this no more. All righty. So what are you going to do for Halloween? Nothing. Why? I, what am I going to do? Okay, so this... I'm t- going to go to the kids' trunk or treat at the church? Now, look, this tells you how... So this tells you how far out in the woods we live. Our neighborhood is doing 
a golf cart slash ATV parade for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> so, ought to be interesting. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of people going, what? We do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're on our 75th annual Halloween ATV but I, go-kart but golf cart parade. There is something about Halloween that makes me sad. You know why. Because your kids aren't here and we can't do the pumpkin hunt and we can't do the pumpkin painting and we can't do the pumpkin chunking. Yeah. But see, that was one of those things that we created post-divorce as a family tradition. That was a blended family tradition. Yeah. And I guess that's why it saddens me. My kids are not here. We can't carry on that blended family tradition because they're not here. We need to get Hank Williams Jr. to write a song about blended family traditions. (laughs) It's a blended family tradition. <laughs> Lori, why do you smoke? Because <laughs> I got stepkids. <laughs> I think we could write one. <laughs> we really could. Hmm. That's scary. All right, I'll tell you what. You write the song. Mm-hmm. I will find somebody that can sing it. You're not singing it. I said I can find somebody that will sing it. And we'll record it, and we'll, we'll release it. But we can't do it to the tune of family tradition, because then that'll be some kind of copyright infringement thing. No, we'll just change a few of the things around. Okay. You know, kind of like Vanilla Ice did. Ice, ice, baby. Yeah. Yeah, because you know he got sued for that. Did he? Yeah. Poor thingy. I bet he melted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For those of you that have stuck with us this long, our guest today is Heidi Farrell with Not Just a Stepmom. Heidi created Not Just a Stepmom to help other stepmoms. Be not just a stepmom. Be not just a stepmom. (laughs) She's been blending 10 years. She has a stepdaughter that is 22, a stepson that's 19, and she has three hours kids that are nine, seven, and four. One of the funny parts of this interview is Heidi and her husband telling their stepkids that she was pregnant. Mm. I'm not going to tell you any details, but let's just say. Careful the traditions you said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what we're going to say. Yeah. Just changes the way you look at a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. And Heidi is also going to be a part of the stepmom view That is coming in January. So tell us a little bit about that for those who didn't listen to the last podcast. A little about that. Myself, Heidi Farrell, Laura Petherbridge, the Smart Stepmom, Heather Hetchler with Learning to Step, and Melanie Anthony with Stepmoms or Us, all got together and answered the questions that are burning in your soul. How do I get out? That was one of them. (laughs) We're close to it. (laughs) It's how do you know when to get out? And so we are going to share those with you. Oh, cool. Yes. And it's going to be the stepmom view. All right. (laughs) All right. We got to get it going. All right. We got lots to do. All right. Here we go. So get ready. We're going to talk to Heidi. Here's a word about the Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. 
Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Today we have Heidi Farrell with Not Just a Stepmom. Hey, Heidi, how are you? Good, Lori. Thanks for having me on. Well, Heidi, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you've got some hours kids and some stepkids. Yeah, I got married to my husband about 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago, and I brought a dog into our marriage. So that is his stepdogger. <laughs> um, I didn't bring kids into our marriage, and I acquired a um, stepdaughter at the time was 12, and then my stepson was nine when we got married. That first year, we were 50-50, and I moved to live with them. So I left the state I was in and moved across a couple states. So started a new new town, new everything. Um, I know there's a lot of stepmoms who have to leave everything behind. You kind of feel a little bit displaced and like you're living in your husband's territory mm-hmm. and you know their friends become your friends, but you don't really have that group of people you can connect with. So that was kind of what I was living that first year. But after that first year, we were, after we did 50-50 custody, my husband got a job that was kind of closer to back where I was from, we kind of debated what we're going to do with the kids. At this point, I was pregnant. It was our first um, year of marriage. And like I said, it was, we had, you know, it was 50-50, but at this point we're like, okay, well, we really want to take the kids with us, but obviously we had to work it out with their mom. So at that time she was actually going to be moving to go move in with her boyfriend. So we were both going to be moving. We were both leaving the town we had been living in, in Colorado. So um, the kids really had to decide what they were going to do. And since they had already been living with us off and on for a year, it just kind of made sense. They had kind of seen how we live and and been in our routines. Um, they hadn't really spent that much time with her boyfriend. So we thought we'd just try it out and see what happens. So they did go ahead and, and move with us. And we started fresh in a town in South Dakota. And then their first day of school in their new town, in their new state... <laughs> They got a new baby sister. <laughs> she was born that very, very first day of school. So no way. Yeah, it was a lot of change for them right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, welcome to step family life. It's like, how many things can we throw at you and expect you to adjust to? Anyway, then we had so we had our daughter and then we had our son two years after that. And then about two and a half years later, we had our third one. So we have another little boy. So we are a family of seven and they ended up staying with us full time. After that point, they just lived with us. And then we ended up moving one more time to where we currently live in Nebraska. And so my stepdaughter and stepson both graduated high school under our roof. And then um, my stepdaughter just graduated from college and my stepson is in college right now. Awesome. I know you have a funny story about you telling your stepkids that you were pregnant. <laughs> yeah, which one? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not a one time thing. <laughs> My husband and I sort of messed it up many times. Yeah, we our first time around. So we took the two kids to, um, I don't know, I think it was like a coffee shop or something and got them some nice little desserts and co- hot chocolate and sat down with them. And we're so excited to share the news with them. I mean, there was a part of us that was nervous that they wouldn't receive the news well. But we, we wanted to try to make it special. And sure enough, when we did break the news to them, they were horrified. <laughs> <laughs> they were crying. I mean, at this point now, my stepdaughter was 13 and my stepson was 10. So they were right in that age where, you know, it's not really cool to have a baby in the family anymore. It's like kind of awkward to have a pregnant stepmom. You know, you, at this point, you've been through those those classes in school and you kind of know what it takes to have a baby. And I'm sure that it's kind of embarrassing for them to, you know, think about those things. So, and I think it just also changed everything because their dad was now with another woman and they were going to have another little 
baby that they had to share him with. And we had just gotten really close that first year, especially my stepdaughter and I, we got really close. And I'm sure there was part of her that wondered if I was going to have room in my heart for her anymore because I was going to have my own baby. So there were just a lot of confusing moments there and a lot of tears. And then they were really embarrassed because we had taken them out in public and they couldn't go run into their bedrooms and close the door and hide. So we, um, you know, we felt really bad about that and we gave them some space when we got home and everything. But two years later, new town, like I said, we moved, got pregnant again and did it again and took them to another coffee shop. We completely forgot the first time had been such a disaster. And uh, sure enough, they were so upset again. And they said, we are never going to a coffee shop with you again. So, <laughs> and, and people listening are going, how did you forget? <laughs> I blame it on the like a new environment and I don't know, two years with a, a toddler and you know, you just kind of lose your brain a little bit. So pregnancy brain. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, like I said, I think our, our intention was to really make them feel like we cared enough about them to provide them some nice, you know, something nice and not just have it be, Hey, guess what? You're getting a new baby or, you know, baby sibling. So, but actually the third time we finally figured it out. And so I was at this point, my stepdaughter was probably a junior in high school and I just pulled her aside just at home, you know, just when we were home alone or in the kitchen alone or something. And I just kind of prefaced it with, I'm sure that this is maybe going to be hard for you to hear or whatever, but she, she really surprised me. And so the third time around, she actually cried with tears of joy. And she said, you know, I really, I know now that babies are a blessing and they're a gift from God. So um, she took it really well. She was very supportive. She probably already knew, also knew that she was going to be leaving the house and wouldn't, <laughs> she was going to be a senior by the time the baby got there and she wouldn't have to be there for the diaper stage as much as she had been for the others. But my stepson, however, he did not take it well. He was about 15 when our third one was born. And so he had actually, they had adjusted to the other babies once they were there. Um, but for the third one, my stepson, he it took him about a year before he would even call my son by his name. It was the baby's crying or whatever. It was just, you know, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of sad, but he was a teenage boy. You know, I didn't really expect him to be all that excited. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then there's the whole, well, are we going to have to not get the things we want now because we're going to be spending money on the baby? And how is this going to limit our lifestyle? We didn't ask for this. And I mean, I think there's a certain amount of that that happens in a biological family when there's a big age difference. I had a friend in middle school who was, you know, she was 12 when her parents said they were having another baby. And she reacted kind of you know, in a hesitant way too, because she was just old enough to know that that was really going to change their lifestyle and, and it was going to spread her parents thin. And there were just a lot of things that when you're a little older, you can sort of think through. But, you know, when you've got children that are, you know, boom, 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 when they're little, they're not going to think about those things. They're just excited for another baby. So sometimes I know that stepmoms have the opposite reaction and they their stepkids are super excited about a new baby in the family. In our case, it wasn't that way. But like I said, once the babies were there or, you know, even during the pregnancy, just just kind of adjusting to the the idea of it and it not feeling so scary and so weird. They sort of got on board with it. And then of course they love their siblings. So it just, you know, once the baby's there, it, it all helps. It changes things. And you have another good point too. I know when David and I got married, Jackson was, oh Lord, help my brain, four. And his kids were nine, 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 and 10. When we would go to an amusement park, my son couldn't ride the same stuff his kids could. So yeah. we would have to split up or make his kids suffer through my son doing his thing and then vice versa. And I know growing up, I have a sister that's five years older and one that's five years younger. And we went through the same thing because by the time I was hitting teenagers, my sister was graduating high school mm -hmm. and she was dating and 
gone most of the time. And then at the same time, I had an eight-year-old little sister. That was a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. Age gap does make a difference, especially, I think, when it is more the step kids and the bio kids or the hours kids that the age difference is between. Yeah, and it really does. It changes It changes what your family's able to do. And I'm not saying it's all bad. There's, there's joys, but there's also complications. Mm-hmm. And with uh, some of the complications are exactly what you just said, that it really does sort of limit what you can do as a family that everybody's going to enjoy because you've got little children who want to play and do toddler things or whatever. And then you've got maybe older children or preteens or teenagers who they have a completely different, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, I guess they just have a different tolerance for what they want to put up with. And, you know, you can't really do family movie night and game night's always a wreck because you've got the babies throwing the pieces everywhere. The toddlers crying because they're not winning. And, you know, the, <laughs> the teens form out of the room and say, what's the point? Because it's just, it's really hard to make that work. Mm-hmm. But I think it's all about just kind of knowing that this is, this is what we have and this is what we're given. We've been given and we're going to make the best of it. If we have to do two different games and the teens join for the second one, or, you know, we watch two different movies and the babies go to bed. So the older ones can stay up a little later. You just have to kind of adjust. If we all try to force this family, like one size fits all family. Yeah. It's, you're always going to be disappointed. You're always going to be mad. Exactly. <laughs> but it's so important also to talk to the older kids about, you know, we're not trying to take this away from you. We're not trying to ruin your time, but how can we be flexible and how can we show love to the little ones who just, they don't have the same attention span or they're not going to be sitting still as long or whatever. Um, how can we love them and be patient to them? It's it's really a good life skill that the older ones are learning. It's just, we don't want to burden them with, uh, oh, everything is ruined now because these babies are here. Right. As you were talking, I was thinking with the triplets, they all had different interests. Mm-hmm. So one of them enjoyed hiking. One of them was like, Lori, can I please stay with you? I do not enjoy that. <laughs> or if we did go hiking, it was at the very back of the pack going, this stinks, you know. <laughs> So with all the kids, when we would go somewhere, we tried to make sure that we did one activity that each one enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And that helped, but there was still, it seemed like that one person that was miserable, that kind of weighed down the group. So we decided that if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. Yeah. You don't have to be the dark cloud over our fun. Exactly. And we've had to do that too, especially when you take family vacations. And I know that sometimes step families say, it's not a vacation when we're all traveling together. (laughs) And it can be because it can be kind of challenging and sometimes more stressed than it's worth. But for us, finding a vacation that we can do where everybody gets a little something that they enjoy. For example, like we have met my in-laws in Florida for vacation and, you know, going to the beach, that's something that everybody can enjoy. It doesn't matter your age or maybe you choose a day trip that, okay, you may not love this part of it, but we're going to do this today, but then tomorrow we'll do something that you want to do. So um, when we were traveling one time, we kind of did a lot of different things during the day. And, and my older kids and my stepkids, they did their thing. And then we did something with the little ones. But then we all met for dinner and we all sat outside at a little beach restaurant. And, you know, it was just the perfect way to end the day. So you're still getting to have a chance to connect with each other, but you're not forcing this kind of idea of you have to sit through this and, and put up with these toddler temper tantrums or these little outbursts and things like that, that you don't necessarily want to. But we are going to remind ourselves that we're a family and, you know, have a dinner together and then you can go your own way again. Yes. And that's 
that's okay. We have a course yeah. in the academy that talks about step family vacations. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go, you mean to tell me that you went on vacation without your husband? Well, what we did is I would take my son somewhere for an extended weekend. Mm-hmm. He would take his kids somewhere for an extended weekend. Then we would all do something together. Mm-hmm. And that way I had a long time with my son. He had a long time with his kids. And then we had the horrible family vacations together. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, though, even when you have a bad family vacation, I mean, I think obviously we never forget every if it's really, really bad. But looking back, I'm so glad that we took family vacations together because I, there were moments that, yes, there were fighting. They were fighting like cats and the dogs sometimes in the car. I remember my um, stepson when he was 14 and my daughter was four. It's like, are you kidding me? You guys are acting like the same age fighting with each other. Those kind of moments, you kind of forget them. And then over the years, you just look back and you're like, I'm really glad we have those pictures together. Or I'm really glad we did that, even though in the moment it was sometimes pretty miserable. Um, But there's just something I think about our our brains that we forgive and forget those really awful moments. And we just kind of cling to those happy moments, even if they were few and far between. You're right. You're definitely right. I think one of my fondest memories is David and I had taken the kids to Florida and we were at this go-kart place that had other stuff you could do, bumper boats and things like that. And one of his triplets is very competitive. And I am too. Mm-hmm. And of course, David is. But <laughs> David goes overboard with it and nobody can win. So David took the other kids and said they were going to go get in the car while we finished our one extra lap. <laughs> we rode like 15 more times. <laughs> we had the best fun doing that uh-huh. because it was just me and him and it was something we both enjoyed. And I found out the other day that he's coming home for Christmas. And I said, do you know what dates you're coming home? I said, we need to go to an escape room. We need to go play laser tag. And of course, we need to go ride go-karts. And he's like, oh yeah, definitely. So Aww. I'm making these plans with him. But I remember also when he was little, when I first met David, I think me and David might have been dating a couple months, three or four months maybe. And we went to Monkey Joe's and took his kids. It's where they have the inflatable things that the kids can play on. Mm -hmm. Well, I was playing with them. So there was this one that was like an obstacle course. Ethan, the competitive one, said, I bet you can't beat me, girl. (laughs) I was like, watch this. I blacked his eye with my foot. No, because I was jumping through these two roller things and I just Mm -hmm. I guess I just jumped and I just kicked him in the eye. (laughs) Oh, and Dave was like, you blacked my kid's eye. I'm like, well, he wanted to play. It's a nice souvenir from that trip. Yep. So, I mean, you can have fun. We tried having family game night. But again, always one person didn't want to play and they made it miserable for everybody else. So after that, it was who wants to play? We're not going to make you play. Right. Yeah. And there, you know, I think that it's important to kind of understand when they need some space. But also, I know that with my stepdaughter, sometimes I had to actually go invite her. Like I had to draw her out of her room because she was introverted. And you know, if we got kind of noisy with the little ones or or she just thought I was distracted. I think she would just kind of naturally go pull herself away and, and stay away from just where she thought the chaos was. And so I wanted to make sure that she felt welcome. So I think there's there's a time and a place for letting them be alone and, and having their quiet time. But then as long as they know that they're welcome, if they want to join, but it is really, it, it's one of those things I think as stepmoms, we have to give grace because it won't look like the family next door that all sits around and plays Yahtzee and they're all giggling together and 
children. You know, our, our step families are going to look a little messier. There's been plenty of that in our family. But if you kind of go, you know what, I'm just going to lower my expectations of what I thought it was going to look like and embrace that this is my family. This is, these are the kids that I've been given to raise or to, to influence. Um, we're just going to go with it. And if it means that we have some fights, yeah, if we have some arguments about, uh, she took my this or she came into my room or, you know, let's, let's talk through it. Let's make everybody feel heard. But at the end of the day, we have to learn to be flexible and we just have to, as stepmoms kind of go, this is what we have and this is what we're going to, to use and make the best of so that we are not making ourselves miserable too. Right. And it's funny because if your kids, your biological kids are fighting, it doesn't have the same effect on you as when it's your bio kid and your step kid. Yeah, that's true. And we see it all the time. Oh, my stepkid's always picking on my bio kid and I can't take it and I'm just going to have to leave. And then I'm thinking, okay, if you leave, then your child is going to have visitation with the other parent and you won't be there to protect your kid when they start fighting. Mm-hmm. And would you really leave your husband because of kids fighting? I mean, if they're whooping out knives and threatening to kill somebody, that's different. <laughs> but, and this was hard for me because Jackson's an only child. And when he, him and the brothers would start fighting, I was like, I had to save my baby. How dare you talk to him like that? Or don't pick on him. But then I realized one day, some of the best memories I have with my sisters are us fighting. <laughs> that's how we bonded. Mm-hmm. That's how Jackson ended up bonding with the brothers. Mm-hmm. If you always rescue your child and remove them from the situation when it's not a safety concern, the next thing you know, the stepkids are going to be afraid to play with your kid because they always get in trouble or they always get fussed at. Yeah, exactly. And that leads to resentment from the stepkid towards your biological child or your hours child. And so, you know, what you think you're trying to do as a stepmom to protect and bring people together in your family, it's really pushing like, there's that side and and there's this side or there's his and hers. And so it does get confusing. But like you said, if there's a dangerous situation or there's bullying going on, obviously you have to step in. Sometimes you can step in in a way that's not like confrontational right in that moment. Mm-hmm. You can pull whoever is a, you know guilty. You can pull them aside and say, is there something bothering you that's going deeper than what we're seeing here? Because this is, this is how you're talking to this child. And I would never, ever want anybody to talk to you that way. Mm-hmm. I would be hurt if somebody talked to you that way and I wouldn't stand for it. But I'm also not going to stand for you talking to that child that way. Right. We have to support each other in this family. But if there's something bothering you or you feel like you haven't been heard in a certain area, let me know and we'll talk about it because I never want you to feel like your feelings aren't as valid or that you don't have the same place in this family. Sometimes it's just giving them that assurance that you are wanted in this home. Mm -hmm. You are welcome here because I think sometimes we can create a story in our own head about how, oh, I'm not the favored child or, oh, I'm not a special, you know, because my stepmom is treating me differently. And I think stepmoms, we don't always know how we're coming across. We're trying to defend the smallest one or the smaller one or the more helpless one. Maybe they're not always smaller. Maybe they're just more quiet or introverted or maybe don't like conflict and things. So we kind of wanted to come to their defense. But Lori, like you're saying, sometimes they have to learn. It's a life skill for them to learn to defend themselves. Yeah. We're not at school with them to protect them. Yeah. Or as they grow up, they need to learn to stand up for themselves in relationships or with friendships and things like that. 
that. So it's kind of like coming from a different angle and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to show you what you can say, or, you know, help you learn how to defend yourself. And if you ever feel like you're very scared or whatever, I will come, I will come help you, but I want you to learn that you can say no and that you can have boundaries Mm -hmm. and I'll show you how to do that. Exactly. And they do need to learn those things because you're not at school with them all day. They're going to be picked on at school. They're going to be made fun of, and they need to know how to handle those situations. Well, in my case, I am with them all day (laughs) because I homeschool my kids. But yes, I get what you're saying. Well, I'm sure that your kids fight with each other. And (laughs) yeah, Yeah, and again, I mean, it's kind of like hearing all the sides. And when I, but I tell you what, when, when my stepson, especially when he would get really mad at my, my daughter, because they really were so similar in their temperaments and they really butted heads. So like I said before, at 14 years old and four years old, there wasn't a lot of difference (laughs) in their fighting styles. And it was really easy for me to want to just jump in and, you know, stand in front of her and point my finger in his face and say, how dare you talk to her that way? Right. Go to your room. You don't have the right to speak to her that way. And that was really what I wanted to do because I was that offended. Mm -hmm. And that was the mama bear just, you know, standing tall within me and the claws coming out. But, and sometimes I probably, you know, was a little harsher than I should have been because of that mama bear in me. But there's also, like I said, sometimes she was wrong. Sometimes she was doing things that he had asked her not to do. And sometimes she went in his room and touched his things or she would tattle on him and he didn't like that. And so I had to look, instead of just getting in his face, I had to look at the whole situation and say, how can I teach my daughter to respect him too? Right. And how can I make him feel valued that I am listening to him and I am hearing his side while still teaching him that he needs to be careful how he talks to her? Because I would say, you know, there's a way that you can express yourself to her if you want her to not touch your things, or there's a way you can do this that doesn't mean you get right in her face and yell at her. Right. And it, in like I was saying before on family vacation, sometimes they'd be in the back of our minivan. <laughs> it's like, do I need to pull this car over? This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, again, it was, how are you saying it to her? She'll listen to you if you're gentle. And I mean, that's a lesson we all have to learn if we can be gentle in our approach. But part of it was also, she just wanted his attention. And so she was going to do whatever it took to get his attention. Right. So she would drive him crazy on purpose and then she would get his attention and he was not, it wasn't good attention, but it was attention. And so I just, you know, again, I'd pull him aside and say, you know what? She really loves you. She thinks you're funny. She thinks you're pretty cool. If you just give her five or 10 minutes, I bet that will just fill her cup and she'll probably leave you alone. And I said, you know what? You used to do the same thing to your older sister. And, you know, he'd go, I know. So, you know, sometimes it's just kind of getting on their level and and speaking to their heart a little bit Mm -hmm. versus just coming to the defense and coming down so hard on them. Right. And I've also found that if you make it look like the stepkids are helping you or are helping their step sibling or whatever they are, (laughs) your kid, (laughs) you you know, it's like they look at it differently as, oh, I'm the big brother almost, Mm -hmm. or I'm the helper kind of thing. And it makes them feel important. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that I would do too, is my stepson is really good at fixing things and building things. In fact, he's studying engineering right now in college, which is, you know, totally fitting for him. Mm -hmm. But he would sit and build things with them every once in a while when he was in the right mood. It wasn't very, you know, maybe not every day, but every once in a while he'd sit and build something or he'd fix something for them. And one day I just got this idea, I'm going to write him a little thank you card for that. You know, I, I just kind of would take it for granted, like, oh, go ask your brother to fix it. And and I realized I looked a little closer one day and I thought, this is them sitting side by side, bonding 
bonding yes. over him fixing something for her. And so I wrote him a little note and I just said, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. She really, really appreciates that. And and, and I just think you're such a great big brother, you know, and, and maybe he didn't care when he got that note. Maybe he threw it away. I don't know. But when people are thanked, it makes them want to do things like that more often. And sure enough, as the years have gone by, he's been really good about taking the time to build things for them and do things for them. You know, like I said, as a teenager, he may have fought a lot with them, but we invested in him just as much as we invested in the younger children mm-hmm. so that he didn't feel like Ugh, it's their house and I'm just living in here till I graduate. You no, know, this is, we've always made it clear. This is your house. You are welcome and wanted here. Same with my stepdaughter. And so now that he's more mature, he really wants to kind of do those things for them. And that's his way of showing them love. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is pretty awesome, actually. It is. Especially if you'd seen us five years ago. Yeah. Girl, David and I talk about it all the time. We're like, a lot of times people forget how bad things were with us. Mm-hmm. It was horrible, yeah. horrible. And when I'm sitting there thinking that I've ruined my life, my kid's life, I don't like his kids. They don't like me. The in-laws hate me. I don't care for them. I mean, it's like you do kick into everybody hates me or nobody likes me, which is not healthy for anybody. Plus, it kicks you into the victim mentality. Yeah. And we have to be able to step back and say, wait a minute, hold up. I am not the only one in this blend that is struggling. I need to step back and regroup. We all need to look at things and see how we can change things for the better. And for us, of course, that was what has become known as Nacho Kids or the Nacho Kids method or Nacho Parenting, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And with you being a full-time stepmom, I know you didn't know about Nacho then, but in hindsight, do you see things that you were not able to be involved with because it stressed you out too much or you didn't have control over it and that stressed you out because you couldn't control it? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even just kind of getting back to what we were talking about a minute ago with, for example, like if I was standing there thinking, how can my husband allow his son to talk to our little girl like this? Why isn't he jumping in and defending her? That was something that bothered me. But in his eyes, they were both equal. They were both his children. And he would never let anybody hurt his children at all, including my stepson talking meanly to his little sister. But he would kind of look at it from a different perspective of, I want to make sure all my kids feel exactly, you know, that they are wanted by me and that they're loved by me. And so where I kind of thought, jump in and defend her, he was thinking, well, you know, my son has a point, what he's saying. <laughs> and so that was something that really would get under my skin. But like you said, that's that's an area where uh, maybe a biological parent has a slightly different take on it or a different perspective. Yeah, like like you said, being a full-time stepmom was a little bit different in that we didn't have a huge influence of the bio mom. And she was she was in their life, but they would see her for holidays and, and sometimes, you know, parts of the summer. So, but we kind of had to function as though we were, a nuclear family. And so even though we weren't, you know, I was the mom in the house. I did all the mom stuff. I cooked for them. I did their laundry. I took them places to appointments and cheered for them at their things. And and that was, it worked for us most of the time. But there definitely were times where I couldn't do what a biological mother would do in those situations. If there was a tough issue of maybe an attitude problem or disciplinary issue, I would have a certain authority in the home because I had to. I was there with them most of the time. I would feel comfortable and my husband felt comfortable with me if I had to take an iPad away for, you know, usually it was like, okay, I'm going to take your iPad for 15 minutes. And, you know, if it was a little offense or something, but if it was a bigger offense, then that would be something my husband would have to deal with when he got home. 
if there was patterns of behavior that were getting worse, or that was maybe something that just a, a friendly little heart to heart from me wasn't solving, then that was something that he would have to take over. And I'm not saying that it was easy because I wanted to take it over. I wanted to handle it mm-hmm. because I felt like I I was capable of doing those things. I, I was I was raising them. Why couldn't I go ahead and deal with a tough issue too? But eventually, as my stepson got older, so even though it worked earlier on because he was younger and he just needed me in a different way, as he got older and became a teenager, he started thinking that his dad didn't have a problem with anything he was doing. It was me making the problem out of it. Yes. Yeah. And, and he would think that it was me basically feeding in any ideas of parenting <laughs> into my husband's ear and making him <laughs> do those things. My husband and I deal with conflict in a different way and there's no right or wrong way to do it. We just do it differently. And at those those moments, my stepson really was truly believing that his dad saw no problem in anything he was doing. And it was just me causing trouble. And for a little while in there, it was really, really awful at home. It was really bad. And those were times where I, um, I had to really question how, what is my engagement going to be? What am I going to do? Am I going to step back? As we went on, we got some counseling and my husband was encouraged to stand up a little sooner for me or for the situation. And I was encouraged to (laughs) not say something, (laughs) which I know, Lori, we've talked about how you bite your tongue till it bleeds Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But that when we do that as stepmoms, we really allow space for our husbands to have the, the ability, but also the empowerment to parent. Right. Even if it doesn't look the same way we want it to look. But I think, I think a lot of husbands, they go, you know, my wife, she's really good at parenting. She just kind of, it kind of comes naturally to her and I'm just going to let her handle it. And we do, we handle it and we do a pretty good job until it doesn't go so well anymore. And until our stepkids call us out on it and say, you're the one who has the problem. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Okay. Now husbands step up, but they're so used to us stepping up that they're not really sure what to do. There's plenty of people that have a little fear that their biological kids maybe won't want to come back if it's this household where they have a lot of expectations or they're getting in trouble. So I think a lot of dads are a little nervous about how much they want to discipline too. But I think a lot of times they're just they're just used to us taking over those things. We take care of the household just so naturally. And it's not to say that that's a woman's role, but I think that's just what we kind of fall into naturally. So for us, it was really, uh, my husband said, you know, if you want to stop doing those things for him, you have my support. And it wasn't that I wanted to not do things for my stepson, but he didn't want me to be that person doing those things for him for a, for a season. Right. For me, it was kind of like, I want to be able to bless him in ways of, you know, hey, there's some leftovers in the fridge. Do you want them after school? Or hey, can I get something for you or whatever? I wanted to bless him. But he didn't want that from me. So I had to allow myself to just say, it's okay. You're not a bad stepmom for not blessing him in that way or doing things for him or going out of your way for him. That's not being a bad stepmom. It's it's what they need at that moment so that they can go, okay, when I'm ready for you, then I'll ask and I'll let you know. And he did. He would always kind of, my stepson would kind of let me know. He would initiate a conversation and so I'd respond or he'd ask me a question or he'd, you know, I don't know, just do something that was a little bit nice. And then it's like, okay, that was my in again. And it, it really does. It kind of messes with your mind as a stepmom for a while. But but if you can allow them almost the right to kind of determine 
And I know this is, you guys talk about this all the time and just kind of be willing to step back and let the relationship happen a little bit more organically. It will come back in a way that they can feel comfortable with and they're not blaming you for everything that goes wrong. Right. And it's so easy for us to get blamed for what does go wrong because everything was fine until we came into the picture. Right. And now we're telling dad, you need to make sure they brush their teeth. And so when dad says, hey, go brush your teeth, it's because she told you to, right? <laughs> and it's one of those things that we cannot anticipate right. what's going to happen with this blend. And you mentioned earlier, one of the most important things that I think for newly blended families or those that are starting to blend is lower your expectations. Better yet, don't have any. <laughs> and somebody will say, oh, you can't say not to have any expectations. Okay, if you must have expectations, expect that the stepkid's not going to blow up the house. Expect that the stepkid's <laughs> not going to try to sell your kid on eBay. You can expect certain things, mm -hmm. but expectations of how the blend is going to work and how it's going to function will drive you insane. Yeah. And you'll always be disappointed. And so you'll be depressed. And then you see little Susie over here posting on Facebook how great her blended family is. And they all ride unicorns on the weekends. <laughs> we'll see how she's doing in five years because you know as well as I do. <laughs> Yeah, It's not that easy and it ebbs and it flows. It's like a roller coaster. And I look at my family growing up. My mom and dad had a heck of a time with us girls. Mm -hmm. But if the same thing happens in the relationship that David and I have between our kids, oh, it's because of the blend. It's not just because kids are crazy. Yeah, exactly. And, and if we kind of have this expectation, like I said earlier, that it has to look a certain way, we're going to be disappointed and it will ruin those really tender moments that we still might be having. You know, for us, it wasn't, I know for you guys, it was like a year, right? Where you kind of had to mm -hmm. completely step back. Yes. And for me, it would be maybe three hours and then, okay, then my stepson's in a better mood. Now he's ready to approach me. And I'm not saying that I let myself be walked all over or, oh, so now you're ready to talk to me kind of thing. It was, look, if we're having a tense moment, let's both back off. I'm not going to sit in and keep belaboring the point. I'm just going to let my husband deal with it. If he wants to deal with it, it's not necessarily an issue that's going to burn the house down. But, you know, we can we can come back and we can forgive each other. And I think it's so important that we stepmoms become very, very generous in our forgiveness because we're going to be hurt a lot. Yes. And if we hold grudges and if we say, oh, well, you hurt my feelings earlier today. Well, guess what? We probably did that to our parents a lot as teenagers. Does that make it okay? Do we just let them off the hook? No, you can have a conversation and let them know that was hurtful. Mm -hmm. What you said was hurtful. And I, you know, I love you, but I cannot tolerate being talked to that way. And if they don't get the point, then you draw a boundary line and you say, look, I would love to do this for you. But as long as you're going to talk to me or treat me this way, I can't do that for you. But it's not holding a grudge. It kind of reminds me of when my, my daughter, when my hours daughter was a toddler and she would have epic temper tantrums. I mean, sometimes two or three a day, horrible, horrible temper tantrums, just screaming for, you know, sometimes an hour, two hours if something set her off. And sometimes I would, you know, I would try to deal with it in a calm way. My bad, did my best, <laughs> not always perfect. And, but sometimes she just needed to be by herself in her room. And I would just say, you can come out when you're ready. Mm -hmm. And then she would, she would dry her eyes. She'd get done screaming or kicking or whatever. She'd come out and I wouldn't say, Oh, well, what about that? That was terrible behavior. 
this is not okay. This is not acceptable. Right. Because she was done and I was going to let her know that I was her safe place. So I'd give her a hug and say, I'm glad that you're feeling better now. And I mean, to a certain extent, we have to treat our teenagers like they're toddlers sometimes, because if we expect them to get the point for every single thing and know the weight of their words every single time, we're going to really limit their growth because they sometimes have to figure that out on their own. It's interesting because we actually had a foreign exchange student. When my stepdaughter went to college that first year, I was thinking, okay, so we're going to have my stepson and three little ones. He needs he needs a friend in the house. (laughs) Like he needs another teenager. And because I'd already studied abroad in college in Germany, I always thought it'd be fun to get a a German foreign exchange student. So it ended up working out. And I tell you what, all those lessons or those things that I had tried to teach my stepson about like, hey, that was not very polite, or that came across rude, or you might want to listen to yourself when you say that. And he kind of, you know, just it blew over his head or in one ear and out the other. We had that German student living with us for a year. He became part of our family, but he would say the same exact thing to my stepson. Like, that was really rude what you just said. Really? And all of a sudden he was like, oh, so it's not just my stepmom. It's not just Heidi picking on me. It maybe this is really how it's coming across. And then at school, if his friends would say, hey, that was, you know, that was not okay to say, he'd go, oh, I don't really want to sound like that anymore. I don't, you know, so it was a process for him to start having to internalize those things that I had been trying to teach him over the years that he was thinking well, it's just her problem. You know, my stepmom just has the problem. My dad doesn't have a problem. It's just my stepmom. But no, as he's getting older, he's hearing these things from other people. And, you know, I tell you what, he's 19 now and he's the first person to say, oh, I'm sorry if that came across rude or thank you so much for doing that for me. That was really nice of you. Or, you know, he's so kind and polite now. Mm hmm. But you never would have under, you know, thought that that would happen. But it's just that we sometimes go, oh, we have to be the one to teach them that lesson. And we're going to bang it over their head till they get it. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of just being kind of a, like I said before, being forgiving and allowing them that space to grow and mature too. just keep, we just have to keep at it with gentle lessons if we can, or, hey, I want you to have good relationships someday. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you know this, this is. If you say it this way, that's going to turn somebody off or it's going to it's going to put up their defenses. But how about you say it this way? And and then over time, they're going to start hearing that from other people. And it's going to just really start to blossom in their own character. And eventually, hopefully, the goal is, is that they'll learn on their own. They'll make those decisions on their own. Yeah, I know when you said that if you told your stepson that really wasn't kind or that hurt my feelings, girl, I know at one point, if I would have told my stepkids that, if I would have said that really hurt my feelings, they'd be like, yes, it worked. Yeah, I probably didn't say it exactly like that. I'm sure I said it differently <laughs> back then. It's always easy to look back and think that, oh, I was so gentle and tender. But, you know, I'm sure that I would say that's not appropriate. Right. Don't you talk that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if we could have a calm conversation, then maybe it would have been different. But in the heat of the moment, yeah, I'm not going to say you hurt my feelings <laughs> because he would have just like, great. <laughs> yeah, I did it. <laughs> Be like, oh, let's make a note. So we'll do that again. <laughs> now, you did bring an hours kid in. Well, three of them. Mm-hmm. What is the bond like now with your stepkids and the hours kids? I know you said that your stepson still helps them fix things and things like that. But what about your stepdaughter? Does she call and ask how the kids are doing? Or when she comes home, does she play with them? Um, she's very loving to them. But like I said before, she is a more introverted person. And so she's she's not the kind will, that will want to come in and just play with them a lot. Um, she's very loving to them. And she's very kind to them. But, you know, there. I think there's always 
a part of any mother that wants her children to be gushed over and loved by everybody. And that's sometimes not what we're going to get in life. And it doesn't mean that they're not loved by these people. But I have watched my daughter, who's now nine, cry because she's felt like her older sister doesn't care because she'd rather spend time with her boyfriend than her. And you know, it's hard, but there's also... There's, there's moments there though that we can, that she and I can bond over that and um, not at my stepdaughter's expense at all, but just understanding that th- there's some expectations that they can learn at a, at a young age that the, you know, the world doesn't revolve around them. And it's not to say that I wanted my daughter to feel hurt. Of course, I would love it if, if they had a really close relationship, but even that has changed over the years and it's, it's kind of gone back and forth because when my stepdaughter was still living at home and my daughter was a toddler she would sometimes bring her into her room and paint her nails or do things. So I think that we have to, again, like as my stepdaughter is now a young adult and living on her own, I have to give her grace for her stage of life. Mm -hmm. And I can't necessarily expect that she's going to drop everything in her early twenties and call us all the time to see how we're doing. So, you know, there's part of it that, yeah, it'd be nice, but that's just not what we have. And and I'm not going to sit and feel all bad about it. But one time when she was in, I think it was when she was still in college, she came back to visit and she was hanging out with her boyfriend and my, my daughter was, was crying about it and saying, she, she actually was saying, I hate her boyfriend. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think she thought that he was taking her sister away from her. Mm-hmm. And so I had to talk her through it. And then when my stepdaughter got home that night, I said, I just want to let you know how much it would mean to your little sister if you would spend a little bit of time with her. Maybe tomorrow, it was, you know, it was a Saturday night. So maybe tomorrow morning before we go to church, maybe you just get her up a little early and the two of you just have breakfast together. Well, not only did she do that, but she also got her a little bouquet of flowers. Oh. And she gave it to her. And boy, you should have seen the smile on my daughter's face. And I took a little picture and it's one of my favorite pictures. But I, you know, it's just one of those things where I don't know that they're always thinking of, like you said earlier, sometimes they just need to know how loved and cherished they are by their little siblings so that they don't just think, oh, it's just another chore. Or, oh, they, you know, because sometimes they think, oh, they get the family that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Oh, they get the life that I wanted. She, you know, she gets to have a mom and dad living that love each other. And I wish I had that. And so pulling them aside and, and just letting them know how special it is and how meaningful those things are mm-hmm. because the older sister and brother, they are, they're special. Little, I've, I've heard so many stepmoms say how much their children cry when the older stepkids leave Yes, the house and it, it breaks their, their heart for these, for their hours, babies or their bio kids. And I think, again, it's just, we have to kind of teach our children from a young age that they need to be flexible. How can we make the best of the situation? Mm-hmm. Maybe we can have a FaceTime call with them while they're gone, or we can draw them pictures. And then when they get home, we can give them the pictures, but there's ways we can deal with it so that we're not kind of pulled down by our children's emotions and going, oh, this, you're right. This is terrible. This, this is a horrible life. This is a horrible situation. Right. No, this is what we have. So how can we make the best of it? And how can we teach our children to adapt? Right. And those lessons they will carry into life with them. Right. I was worried when David's kids moved out that they would have no contact with Jackson because Jackson was so little when David and I got married. He doesn't really refer to them as his stepbrothers. They're his brothers. He calls them the brothers. Mm-hmm. And I asked one of them one day, I said, when you leave, please, please, I beg of you, stay in touch with Jackson. And did I think he was going to do it? No. 
I thought I was going to have to be like, can you call Jackson or something to remind him? Mm-hmm. And I said something one day. I was like, oh, well, let me get Jackson so you can tell him. They're like, oh, I talked to him yesterday. I already told him. <laughs> so he has this own little group with them on Facebook that they talk. It may not be every day. He talks to two of them more than the other two, mm-hmm. which is actually the two that we talk more to also. But I'm so impressed that they still talk to him. And it makes my heart so happy. Yeah. Because I want Jackson to not feel like, you know, when I die, I want him to feel like that he has the brothers to talk to and to lean on and that he still has a family. And it's not just me or David. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's hard to hope that those things would happen because you're like, yeah, they're going to move out and they're never going to talk to him again. But no, they talk a lot and I'm really impressed with them. Yeah. And and something that my stepdaughter has done is she sends them birthday cards. She doesn't necessarily call and ask how they're doing, but she has been really good about sending them a birthday card. And this year she put, she has, you know, she's got a, a job now that she's out of college. So she added a little gift of money and then just so they could pick out a present. You know, people show love in their own way and we have to give them a little space to be able to form their relationships without us breathing down their necks saying, you have to do this. You have to call. You have to, because eventually, you know, like I said earlier, they kind of grow up. They kind of figure out who they want to be as adults. They kind of figure out what they want out of life. And hopefully, hopefully if you've invested in them and hopefully if, if we prayed for them and, and they make some hopefully good choices, then they're going to do the right thing. They're going to want to pour back into their younger siblings. I mean, it's not a guarantee and there are going to be situations where it's just maybe toxic or dangerous to do that, or it's just not a good fit. And that's okay too, because that's just sometimes we can't reconcile every single relationship, but as much as possible, if we can sort of let them take the reins and, um, and nurture that relationship on their own without us forcing it, I think it, it's a lot healthier for everybody. And I think, or I would think that your kids and your stepkids would have a higher probability of having a relationship later in life because they are half siblings rather than step siblings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they share, they share a dad, Mm -hmm. but again, I mean, I think it's, it's going to be a, a process when, when our older two have left the house. You just never know if they're going to if they're going to want to invest in us once they leave. Yeah, you may never hear from them again. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think they need to figure out what what they want to do to deal with their own emotions and their own hurts in the past and their own expectations that weren't met from their family or if their family broke apart or you know whatever the situation was. So I think that sometimes they they might leave for a while and they might not want to have anything to do with the family. They might just want to explore their own life for a while and and try out their own relationships. And and my mom told me one time, she said, but you know what, if my stepdaughter ever has her own children, I bet she'll, she'll have a different relationship with you, you know, because there's different seasons where you need to call on your parents more, or you need mm-hmm. the people who invested in your life more. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think if we kind of, like you said earlier, set your expect- expectations kind of low, extremely low, that any call you get is just a joy. Mm-hmm. And any gesture they make is a joy. We just talked to both of our um, older two last night and it had been a little, you know, a few weeks. They're both busy and doing their thing, but it was just so nice to be able to have a conversation with them where, yeah, we haven't caught up every single day and we had a lot of catching up to do, but it's it's okay. They're living their life and they're happy and we can support them and, and try to be there for them when they need us and give them a little space when they're exploring their world and their young adult life on their own. Exactly. I want to go back pretty far into something that you had talked about earlier 
about letting the bio parent do the parenting and how hard that is. It was hard for you. And I know it was extremely hard for me. But when we butt in, we take that power away from them as a parent. And we also put a target on us as being the bad person because we don't have that right to parent them in the stepkids' eyes. And if if you always jump in, your partner or your husband is not going to be so quick to jump in because, like you said, he knows you've got it taken care of. But if you sit back and don't steamroll yourself in as a parent, it allows them to be the parent they need to be and allows the stepkids to be parented by them, which they need. Yeah. It's definitely a fun challenge. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's a unique role that we as stepmoms have. When our stepkids have, when they make decisions that impact them in ways that are hurtful or they hurt others, it can be really heartbreaking for the biological parent. And sometimes as a step parent, we can just get in and, and, you know, right up in the front and, oh, how dare you do that? And I can't believe you did that. And, and we can really get in the way of parenting that could come forward mm-hmm. from a, a biological parent who, yes, they've been disappointed. Yes, they've been hurt, but they also are going to be quick to give grace and talk to the child and, and try to work through it. And as stepmoms, if we can say, I'm just going to let that process happen Maybe it's not going to happen the way I want. For me, it was always the consequences I had in mind were always harsher uh-huh. than what my husband had in mind um, because I wanted to teach them right from wrong. And I wanted them to be responsible. I didn't just want them to get in trouble. It wasn't that I wanted to ruin their life. I just thought that, you know, natural consequences, if they do something and it breaks, then they pay for it or if whatever. But sometimes that's not our place because we get in the way of our our spouses or the, the the biological parents heart sometimes my my husband would just take my stepson and do something like rake the yard or something and say hey how are things going and then you know okay well lately i've noticed you've been a little cranky mm-hmm. to you know to heidi what's going on with that how are you feeling how are things going and instead of in the heat of the moment when he's been disrespectful when i want my husband to stand up and defend me If I can just give a little space for those moments that my husband did have in mind all the time, he just had a different time frame than me and, you know, bring it up in a gentle way, they can actually get to the heart of the matter versus just, okay, I'm taking this away because you were rude. Right. Exactly. Now, let me ask you, how old is your oldest hours child now? She's nine. So it's nine, seven, and four for our hours. Okay. You know, those consequences that you thought that the stepkids should have before you were an, a mom, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> do you still have those harsher consequences that you think should be handed out versus your husband being more laid back? Or have you kind of realized, uh, maybe I was a little harsh on what I thought the stepkids' consequences should be? <laughs> well, Lori, way to make me feel like a <laughs> hypocrite. <Yeah. laughs> No, I'm totally kidding. Um, Of course, because when you know the heart of your child and you really want to believe that the heart of your child was not with an evil intention with what they did, you know, you look, you you do look a little differently at it. Now, I, I probably would say I'm still the one because I'm with my kids all day long. I'm still the one that has the expectations and the consequences. I'm not saying I'm real hard nosed, but I do show them right from wrong and they have to make things right. If they do something wrong, 
Um, but I didn't raise my stepkids from the time they were little. Had I raised them with my influence from the beginning, we may not have had some of the issues we had later, but we can't look back and say, oh, I wish I would have been, or I wish it would have been different. It's not, it, it's no use wishing that right. it just isn't the way it is. That's not our reality. Um, something that I found out later from my husband that really kind of made me feel bad was he said, every time you would say, oh, you know, this needs to be handled or, oh, my, you know, my stepson did this or that. And I didn't think it was appropriate. My husband would take that personally. Like he had that maybe I was criticizing his parenting all those years before we had gotten married. Yes, 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 yes. And the fact that he didn't jump to reprimand his child and hand out those consequences, those harsh consequences like you thought he should, he's questioning himself. And it's like, oh my gosh, she thinks I'm a bad parent. She thinks that um, I'm just useless <laughs> or whatever. Or maybe I've, have I been walked all over all these years and I'm too stupid to notice? Right. You know? And so I had to realize that my husband and I don't, we don't always see disrespect in the same way. Yes. And I think that's pretty normal for couples because sometimes a kid will say something sarcastically and one parent laughs and the other one says that was rude. You know, it's just, it's kind of how we're raised or it's kind of what we kind of think it just in general, we perceive as okay or not okay. So when we first got married, I was coming to my husband's defense and he didn't even need me to. But I was like, how can you let them talk to you this way? And I'm not saying they were being rude. Right. But they would say, hey, dad, go get me a fork. And I'd think, uh, are you kidding? You can get up and get yourself a fork. Right, because you thought they should say, dad, would you mind getting me a fork? Or I think they should go get it for themselves. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But I I guess if you have to ask, then ask nicely. So I would try to say, hey, guys, can you ask politely? Or he he would say, sure, I'll go get you a fork. Like it didn't bother him at all. So that's just part of being married and understanding that we're each going to have a different level of tolerance for things. But, you know, if it's really, really offensive to you and you think your husband needs to know, of course, have that conversation and say, maybe I'm perceiving this wrong or maybe I'm looking at it a little bit, I don't know, too strict or something. But let me know, because this really I felt like was offensive. Do you think this is something we need to deal with? Right. Versus how can you let your kid talk that way? Well, and here's my thing, too. And I know this is hard when we as stepmoms feel like the stepkids are disrespecting the bio parent. And Mm -hmm. We want to jump in and say, how dare you talk to your dad like that? Well, it's good to be supportive of your significant other, your husband, whatever. But your husband needs to, number one, like you said, if he sees it's disrespectful, then he needs to man up and deal with it. I don't want to be the woman that has to jump in to save my man from his kids. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that we as stepmoms love to do the same thing when it comes to issues with the bio mom. Mm-hmm. And if our, our husbands don't want to deal with the conflict or they're not setting the boundaries the way we think that we sh- that they should, then we jump in and say, don't let her talk to you that way. Right. Don't let her do that way. Don't make her, don't let her allow you to have to go the extra mile when she's just sitting at home and all these things that we want to protect our husbands. And I think, I think it's all with a noble intention. So I don't think it's necessarily bad that we want to, to defend people. That's just part of, that's just part of being empathetic human beings. We just, we want to take care of those who, you know, are being mistreated. Right. But I think with the bio mom though, it's a little different because we want that control. 
or we want our husbands to have that control. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, there's that part of it. And I th- I think that each situation is probably a little different because some husbands, they just, they've, some men, they just go, you know what, this is just to keep the peace. No, I don't like it either, but whatever, we, we're we just going to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sometimes we as stepmoms do want to, we want to feed our husband all the words that he should say into the phone when he's talking to her, making arrangements and things like that. Yeah, there's definitely a control factor in there. And I think that goes into the parenting too. I think when we are, um, when we're feeling out of control, that makes us want more control. I would sometimes tell my husband, it's not that I want to control every situation, but when I don't know what's going on or when you guys don't fill me in on the details, I feel very out of control. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you have to check with me and get permission from me for every little decision you make, but could you just let me know that you talked to our, you know, my stepson or whatever, and um, that you guys made that decision that he could go hang out over there at this friend's house. Or I just, it would help me to be in the know. Right. Not that I had to be keeping tabs on everybody. Like it was my decision where they went all the time. So, and that's just a communication thing that goes in into every marriage or every relationship that, you know, crosses the barriers of step family into just any family. Yeah. I can see it now. No, that's not the halfway point to meet her at the fish camp. You meet on the bridge. Don't you go 0.01 miles further than she is? <laughs> Drop your kid off on the bridge. You know what, Lori? It sounds so ridiculous, but when we had to do our drop-offs, they were it was a five-hour drive. And so it was like the two and a half hour, we would think that that would be the middle point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it always seemed that we would drive the extra little bit or we'd have to go to the airport. And like I said, we lived in a couple different places. So sometimes they'd have to take an airplane. It seemed like our flights were like the 6 a.m. flight. We'd have to get up super early and drive a couple hours to get to the airport or they'd arrive back at home at 11 at night and have to drive. And it always, it bothered me and it didn't bother my husband as much as it bothered me. Yeah. He was going to get to see his kids. Right. Thing is, is that he would have done anything for them and he didn't ever want them to feel like they were something that of a of an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, that is a, a an area that I have learned to be humble over the years about because I think that we as stepmoms, we see the injustice. It's not that we want to be mean or whatever. It's we just see that that there's an injustice and it it just doesn't sit right with us. Mm-hmm. And so as I did let go of that. You can say I nachoed that area of of even being involved in any of the planning or the halfway point, you know, whatever, or vaca- vacation time or school time off. I felt so much better about that because it just wasn't going to be a deal that I was going to get involved in. I, maybe I'd stay home with the little kids and then we didn't have to go in the car for a long trip. And that would give my husband time with his kids to kind of decompress after they'd been away from home mm-hmm. and they could spend a little time catching up with each other. And over the years, they have learned that their dad and hopefully me too, will do anything for them, even if it's inconvenient. Right. That is a lesson that you can't, I mean, you really just, you can't put a price tag on that. It is so valuable for your older kids as they grow up and go through life to know that their parent would do anything for them. They would go the extra mile for them. That is worth its weight in gold. Yes, definitely. You're right. We do. We have to make those concessions with things that people don't even realize. And as stepmoms, it's even more. If David and I had plans to go out to a concert or something, even if we had already bought tickets, if his ex messaged him and said, I need to go somewhere or I can't keep the kids tonight, can you keep them? There was no question. We were getting those kids. Mm -hmm. Because David, as a parent, 
he didn't want them to go somewhere else or his ex to try to find somewhere else to dump them off. Now, I mean, he could have, of course, asked his mom if she could watch them while we went and did whatever. But it was just a given that if the ex couldn't watch the kids, then we changed our plans to make it where we could. Yeah, right. And I mean, there's there's definitely a place in there for some boundaries. It's always nice when when we get a little note or a, a text or a phone call in advance. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of stepmoms get really upset if the kids just show up at their doorstep unannounced, you know, and it's not that they aren't welcome. It's just that you weren't mentally prepared for it, or you maybe had plans, or you were going to expect a quiet house to come home to after work or something. But like you said, I mean, it is really, there is a time in our lives when we're raising kids that we just have to be sacrificial. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always get to be exactly the way we wanted it to be. It doesn't always get to look perfect, but they will see that, that they'll see that there, there are no bounds at this home. You are, the kids are always welcome. They always know that they're welcome. They always feel warmly received. And that's something that I think that we can, as stepmoms, really make a point to do, even if we kind of have to fake it sometimes. But when our stepkids enter our home and say, I'm so glad you're back. Mm -hmm. It's so good to see you. Even if you have to say it through gritted teeth. <laughs> see, girl, no, I can't do that. <laughs> because my eyes would be on fire or something. I cannot hide how I really feel. Now, yeah. when they come in, I might be like, hey, I'm, but you know, as far as me going, oh, I'm so glad you blessed me with your presence and that you've come in to mess up my kitchen and that you just walked <laughs> on my floor with muddy feet. Oh, I love you so much. No, not going to happen. Well, I think, Lori, <laughs> part of it is I totally get it. And I'm not saying we should be fake. Part of it is kind of knowing the temperaments of our stepkids. So my stepdaughter was very sensitive. So if I had just been like, hey, when she came in, she would have felt Oh my goodness. She would have read into that. You know, women, we do that kind of thing all the time. I am so glad I do not have stepdaughters, y'all, and that I have yeah. four stepsons because they're not sensitive like that. Exactly. So I didn't necessarily have to do that with my stepson, mm -hmm. although I did say it in other ways. But yeah, I'm not saying that you should be overly sugary, silly, sweet <laughs> yeah. to them. But, you know, for me, it was just like, oh, I'm so glad you're back mm -hmm. when they were younger or even when they were older in high school and they would go to their moms for part of the summer or something. Or you can do a gesture. It doesn't have to be in words. Some people aren't words people. Right. That's why I write. I, I love words. So I, I tend to want to say things to people. And if I don't say it to their face, I write a letter or say it in words somehow. But some people speak in other ways. They show their love in other ways. They have a meal that the kid likes to come home to, or they play a game or they roughhouse a little bit. You know, there, there's other ways of letting the kid know that they're welcome other than just saying, oh, I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> right. If that's not your style. When I said that, though, I was thinking of when all that mess was going on with all of us and everybody was miserable. Mm -hmm. No, I was not about to tell them I was glad they were back because I was not at all. Mm -hmm. But... Now, when I see them, one of them popped up the other day. We didn't know he was coming. Mm -hmm. And we shifted our plans to fit so we could hang out with him. And I was glad to see him. And I was like, what are you doing here? What a nice surprise. And I <laughs> meant it. And he knew I meant yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And I texted one of them the other day or or Facebook message, whatever. And I said, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm like, I'm missing y'all because I do miss them. And he's like, oh, I miss you too. And I'm coming home around Christmas or whatever. And so I'm like, well, we need to do a video chat soon because I miss your little face. And mm -hmm. and I know we will here in the next couple of days because we've talked about it. But 
again, look at the difference in that. And this is one thing we try really hard to explain to people. Yes, when you nacho, it's not just disengaging. It's learning to pause. It's learning to let the bio-parent parent. It's learning to let go of things you can't control. It's so much more than just the disengaging part. The disengaging part is what lets off the pressure. But you still have to continue the other things so you can get the ultimate goal, which is to build a bond with those stepkids. Absolutely. So you figure year two, everything went to crap with us. But look where we are now. It is better than I could have ever dreamed of even prior to everything going to crap. Mm-hmm. They talk to my son still. I enjoy talking to them. One of them's like a little motivational speaker. I'm impressed to see how they have grown up. And yes, I will tell you, I was afraid these kids would never leave the house because they were lazy. They couldn't clean up after themselves. I mean, I had the fear. But three of them are in the Air Force. One of them's had the same job for several years and moved about three hours away. So to worry about what's going to happen in the future with your stepkids is useless. The best thing that you can do is be yourself, be supportive to your husband, and let the stepkids know that you're there for them if they need anything and build that bond with them. Because it shocks me when David's kids tell me stuff that they don't tell him. Mm-hmm. But they tell me to, because they know I'm not their parent. I'm not going to judge them or I'm not going to think poorly of them. I, I, you know, I may be disappointed, but it's a different kind of disappointment. And they also use it to ask me how they should approach their dad mm-hmm. or to throw me to the wolves to where they know I'm going to tell their dad. Mm-hmm. And then they don't have to do it. <laughs> yes. And you just have to realize that my whole point of that story was what's happening now is not a telltale sign of what your life is going to be like forever with these stepkids. Exactly. I mean, we we kind of assume, we make a lot of assumptions as stepmoms. Mm-hmm. We assume the worst. We assume everything's just just a lost cause. Yeah. It's that fortune telling aunt. Mm-hmm. Right. That negative thinking of, oh, they're never going to move out. They can't even flush the toilet, much less brush their teeth at night. And they're going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we don't need to think that way because we don't know. We don't. And But, you know, it's funny because something that would help me, and I know that you've talked about kind of putting things into perspective, but something that would help me is, okay, I'm imagining now, 10 years from now, my stepson's sitting in a therapist office. Mm-hmm. What is he going to say about his stepmom? You know, I kind of would think about it like, what kind of a legacy am I leaving in his life? Am I a safe pers- person for him to come to, even when he's disrespectful or I have to lay down some boundaries? Am I the person that he trusts? Does he know he's loved? How is he going to treat his own children someday? Right. Is he going to treat them with love and grace and tenderness or is he going to be harsh with them? Mm-hmm. Am I giving him a model of loving patience or is it being just quick to want to criticize? They're they're picking up on those things. Yes. And if we think they aren't, we're mistaken. Yes. And they're picking up on the good and the bad. And the great thing is, is that even though like these moments, the, the really tough moments of, of raising our kids and stepkids feel very heavy in the moment, the funny thing is, is they don't remember all those details. They don't remember every fight. They don't remember, you know, every criticism we made or telling them this is not clean enough or whatever. What they remember is how we made them feel. Mm-hmm. And so even though sometimes we do have to address heart issues, how are we going to do it? That's where I, I always say talk to the heart, because if you don't reach their heart, then they're going to just feel like you never really cared. And then why would they have any motivation to call? 
when they leave. Right. And, you know, maybe, maybe the stepmom is saying, fine, let it be that way. They're making our lives miserable. But do you want to have that kind of relationship? If you could have a good relationship, wouldn't it be better to give a little and sacrifice a little and, and maybe look at things from a different perspective and get some training or get some coaching or counseling and get some, a change of perspective Mm -hmm. to have the potential for a really good relationship. I know it's worth it for me. Yeah. And again, we have to remember that these bratty kids that are making our lives miserable are going through a lot more than we realize. We have to have compassion for them and grace. Now, look, I could not have said that pre-Nacho. I didn't care what they went through, to be honest with you, because I felt like I was the one suffering and they were causing it. Yeah. But on the other side of it, since I have learned those tools that it's number one, it's not all about me. You may think it's all about you, but, you know, you ain't that special. Um, <laughs> but we have to just be patient with ourselves and be patient with our husband and our stepkids and our bio kids. And we also really need to put in an effort to start each day with a clean slate. Don't carry yesterday's hurts into today. Right. It's so important because it's not helping anybody. I know I don't want somebody bringing up everything I ever did wrong in my past. Do you? Right. That's not how we grow. If people, if we look at people as in, they don't think that I have the potential to grow. Why would I ever try? Right. Why would I ever be motivated to do well? I'm sure, Lori, that you have had bosses in the past that you go to work for, and I know I have, that either make you feel like you can't do anything right or they really support you. Mm-hmm. And when you walk into that office or that building and you think, well, there's no point in trying because they're just going to criticize me, why would you ever go the extra mile? Why would you ever even try to get better? It's not going to, there's no point. Right. But if you walk in and they they say, you know, you did such a great job with that thing I asked you to do last week, or wow, I really see improvement in this area. You go, oh, I can do even better. I can get more praise. And that's how kids are. Mm-hmm. And so even when they're really nasty to us, I'm not saying let them off the hook. There has to be consequences to behaviors. And that's something that the bio parent has to be managing. I'm so glad you added the bio parent in that, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because like I said, way back in our conversation, otherwise they think it's just you, mm-hmm. the stepmom, who has the problem. But we can find things, even if it's hard to compliment. And even if they're being bratty or nasty or, you know, unhygienic or whatever, we can find a little area. Or what if your stepdaughter has long eyelashes and you say, what pretty eyelashes you have? Or what if your stepson did something for somebody and you say, wow, that was so kind of you to defend that kid at school or for you to pick that thing up for the the older lady who dropped it. Mm-hmm. You're such a caring person. Right. You know, you might have to stretch the truth a little bit at first because you might not really see the good things. But if you can be, think of yourself like at a workplace with a boss who wants to give you that, you want to work harder for that boss who, who you know is going to see it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to they're gonna recognize that. Let's do that for our stepkids and see what happens. That is very good. I like that. Well, Heidi, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. And as always, it is so nice to talk to you. And you are always so calm and gentle with your words. I can never imagine you being upset and <laughs> hollering at your stepkids and things of that nature. Well, okay. I mean, obviously, there's we all have our tipping points. But I think it is, it comes down to self-control. Yes. 
Um, especially if you know that you're going to be triggered by a certain thing, step away. Just don't even deal with it. Yes. Not show it. Yeah. I mean, step away so that you don't have to lose your temper and then have to come back and apologize. Yes. Because when we react out of emotion, 99% of the time we feel guilty about it later. We do. And then unfortunately what happens too, is that our kids or stepkids, they go, oh, see, you're the one who lost your temper. So it's really your fault. And now they were actually the ones to blame in the beginning, but they kind of blame shifted over to you because you lost your temper. Mm -hmm. So something that I really like to do is just to, if I can't be calm in that moment, just say, we'll talk about this later or whatever. Get out of my face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it gives them a little time to have to sit on it, what they've done versus just reacting to your anger. Yes. And they, they sometimes will process that and go, oh boy, what did I do? I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. And then you don't even have to come on so strong. We have to teach our kids how to control their impulses. And I'm not perfect at it. You know, my stepdaughter, she's more sensitive. So I've never had to really come down on her at all. She, she'll she just kind of take hints. If I ask her to do something, she'll do it. Mm-hmm. To, if, if we have a very sensitive stepchild or biological child, it's going to crush their spirit if we get right in their face and scold them or yell at them or even look sternly at them. Right. Because that they just sometimes will hear our heart and feel bad. Mm-hmm. But if you have a more strong-willed child, it's a lot easier to get sucked into that drama and that stress. So that's where we really have to control our reaction, even if it might be you know, justified because they've really pushed us. If we can't control our impulses, how are we ever going to ask them to control their impulses? Right. And we have to learn to respond, not react. Right. So Heidi, thank you again for being a guest on our podcast. It has been great talking to you. And before we end, can you let people know how they can find you? Thanks, Lori. It's been such a joy to talk to you too. My website is notjustastepmom.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Well, we hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Lori. Thanks for having me on. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. So we did learn. (laughs) What did we learn? We did learn how to, or how not to, tell your kids (laughs) that you got another one coming out. And how not to do it again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, um, honestly, Heidi, as you're listening, (laughs) we actually had that question just this week. Yes. How do you tell your stepkids that... You're going to have a baby. Yep. And so I said, do not. I really did tell them this. I said, do not take them to a coffee shop. <laughs> in case they have a bad reaction, you don't want them having a meltdown in the coffee shop. Yep. Maybe that's your next blog post. <laughs> what? How to tell the stepkids you're expecting. No, that's Heidi's job. Okay, Heidi. I, write a blog post and, <laughs> and give us permission to use it. There you go, Heidi. Heidi's story is really good. She needs to write that. Yes, Heidi, you do. Yes, Heidi. And she's going to go, Lori, I wrote that the other day, and you liked it. You don't remember. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Be like, girl, you know how much stuff goes through this brain a day? Not much. David. (sighs) One thing that Heidi mentions in here, and we talk about this all the time, is you don't always see disrespect the same way as your significant other. Mm -hmm. So your kids could respond to you and say, you suck or something. And I could go, that's so disrespectful. And you just think it's funny. Well, I mean, I, I see Jackson being what I consider disrespectful to you a good bit, but I think you see it the same way. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a bad example. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes my sweet little baby. 
will push my buttons. Well, the funny part is, is like, he'll be disrespectful, but as soon as he can tell that it ain't funny, he's like, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he tries to back out of that. Yeah, because he sees my eyes pop out and my head spin around like the exorcist. Mm-hmm. Which is not all that bad until you start throwing up on everybody. <laughs> oh, he's here. I smelled him coming. Yeah. <laughs> Jackson, come say hey to everybody. No, speaking to speaker. Speaking to speaker. <laughs> speaking to microphone. Hey. Tell him that I'm your favorite mama. <laughs> Who is? Me. Tell him, say, Lori is my favorite mama. Lori is my favorite mama. Did you mean that? You told me to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you to do a lot of things, to, and you don't. Who's the best stepdad you ever had? Whoever was before David. <laughs> you owe me money, that, David. That, 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 uh, let's see, that narrows it down to nine other people. Jackson, do you remember <laughs> when we went to Carowinds when you were little, and y'all got those dog tag things, and you got my stepdaddy rocks? Yeah, I still have it somewhere. Wasn't that sweet? He's holding on to it because no, he, he was brainwashing me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it doesn't take much to watch that thing. You want to be on our podcast? Well, I want to be on your podcast. I have schoolwork to do. <laughs> um, are you saying that because I fussed at you a minute ago? That's exactly what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, because you went and played before you finished your schoolwork. Oh, it's a sin. That's right. Yep. Why aren't you doing your schoolwork? You're talking to me. Why are you up here? Because I, I was looking for David so I could ask for my money. David owes you money? Yeah, he always owes me money. I'm start charging him interest, too. David. Your money will be here in three to five business days. You transferred the, the first one like a month ago, and I forgot about it. You just ain't paid me for it. I don't think that's right. Oh. I, I did pay it you for that been one. about $130. <clears throat> I could buy a few gallons of gas with $130. A few gallons of gas. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Come here, Jackson. You're going to help. What do you want me to say? Just come up here. To all you Nacho Kid podcast listeners, you rock. <laughs> now do it in your Wolfman Jack voice. Yeah. Wolfman, I don't know what that is. To all you podcast listeners out there in the world, you rock. I can't do that. <laughs> My baby's For all you Nacho Kid podcast listeners out there, you rock. Pod? Podcast? Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> A podcast? <laughs> Is that what dogs listen to? Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. I can do better than that. Do it. Oh, you nacho kid podcast <laughs> listeners out there. You rock. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do it again? No. I'm out of breath now. Do it one more time. Why you got to hold your breath to do you it? You got to tell like this, like Wolfman Chat. Oh, you nacho kids podcast listeners out there. You rock. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sling Blade. <laughs> Have you ever seen that movie? <laughs> we go to watch it with yeah. you. Yeah, we'll watch that. Mm-hmm. You gonna eat that cornbread? You gonna eat that cornbread? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's gonna be your new nickname, cornbread. Mm-hmm. I eat cornbread on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jackson, for interrupting our outro to our podcast. It was nice to have you here. It was nice. He interrupted the podcast. The podcast. <laughs> He's got that little scratchy voice. My baby's not a baby anymore. All right, so we're going to wrap it up now because I have to go figure out why my husband owes my son money. I need to figure that out, too. Yeah, you do. I think I'm being scammed. Well, and then you supposedly transferred it a month ago and still haven't given it to him. What's wrong with you? Now, you know if I owed him money, 
for more than two hours, he would be all over me. No, he forgot. Ain't no way. No. This is a kid that when he sells something online and it goes into my PayPal account, he wants to get paid immediately, even though I don't have the money yet. It's in your PayPal. It is your money. (laughs) So I offered to give him a loan at a small interest rate since he needs his money right now because... It's my money in your account. when When you say it's my money and I need it now, that means it's a loan until the money comes in. It's like a payday loan. All right. All right. That's our show for today, folks. Thanks for listening, and be sure to catch us next week as we have another amazing podcast episode coming out. And remember that life is always good. We you Nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.